0: Welcome back to Jumpstart. My name is Kim Venegas, and today's episode is about peer orientation. This term comes from a book called Hold On to Your Kids by Gordon Neufeld and Gabor Mate. The students today seem to orbit around one another. They're, they seem to be oblivious to most adults and their surroundings. They don't notice us standing nearby. They don't hear us when we call them by name, and they seem unable to stop talking when we ask. So, so what's up with them? I noticed the first shift in 2015. I had moved to a different district, and and I was teaching elementary. At that time, we would go out to recess with them. Granted, I'm not very tall, and I sometimes blend in because of that, but, but still. So I was walking to the playground. A student cut me off, and I fell to the asphalt. I was unable to catch myself, and blood dripped from my chin when I stood up. This wasn't the first time I was knocked down. I know that it was not on purpose, but it's as if I was invisible as students move toward their friends. Inside the classroom, when I'm standing near a student, which is known in the books as using proximity, it didn't have the effect that it used to. The theory goes, and usually in practice, that when you stand near a student who is off task or talking to neighbors or digging in their desk, they'll notice you and adjust their behavior to what is expected. But standing behind or to the side of a student has very little effect now, if any. Another student may say to them, hey, the teacher's right there. And even then, students continue talking or doing that other thing they're busy with. Because I was in a different district, a different community, I asked my teammates, like, what's going on with our kids? What's going on with our students? It seemed as if the students were almost dependent on one another instead of any adult to help solve their problems. And, and on their own, they seemed like family or a community that didn't need grown-ups. It's true, many of them attended school with cousins as well as maybe brothers and sisters. It's also true that many of our students went home after school to care for younger family members, as many of our younger parents worked different shifts. Inside the classroom, they asked few questions of me. They would walk between adults who were talking, and as I already said, they didn't even notice my physical presence. My next thought was that maybe it was the new community, the new neighborhood I was teaching in. Talking with a teacher friend from my old school really squashed that idea. At the same time I was noticing this change in students, my previous school was hiring a dean to handle discipline in the kindergarten classes. More than ever before, the kinders were running amok. If you don't understand this old school reference, it means that the kids were calling the shots, refusing to do as they were asked, and becoming quite disrespectful to teachers at five years old. It sure sounded like the problems that I was having, but my kids were older and I thought they should know a bit better. So now it's seven years later, students continue to swarm huddled so close that they can breathe one another's air. Students continue to challenge many teachers by talking when they should be listening, tuned out when they should be learning, and showing disrespect with words and actions. It's the same when I'm shopping or visiting the library or anywhere else where mixed ages are going to gather. Teens talk using all kinds of language, unaware that others can hear them. Particular words used to be reserved for extreme situations, but but now it's a free-for-all. When I was reading uh, Gabor Mate's book, The Myth of Normal, I realized that he co-wrote Hold On to Your Kids with Dor- Gordon Newfeld. At increasingly younger ages, children have more time with their friends and peers than they do with their family. Children have devices to connect with their peers at any time. On the whole, children seem less likely to watch from and learn from adults. They seem completely bored when they're away from their friends and unwilling to engage with family activities. The friends and devices that distract them isn't the environment of family, communication, learning, and cooperation. I'll bring you more in the next episode. It's a big topic. Most of the thoughts include the idea of attachment. Well, we usually think of attachment needs of babies and toddlers, but these needs don't, don't disappear. They just change. I remember quite a long time ago, a parent-teacher conference for one of my sons while he was in high school. The teacher told me the needs are the same for these big kids as they are for the daycare children I took care of. They just want to know that they matter to you and that you see them. Some children lack strong attachments at home. Classrooms have from 16 to 30 students for 300 minutes a day. Many schools have social emotional learning curricula that helps students learn about themselves and others' emotional lives. Relationships are always top priority for educating children they won't care until they know how much you care, absolutely holds true. Think of your family relationships. People to people, it's all the same. Somewhere during the week, can we try to find find five minutes of one-on-one time with each student? Take notes, write them down somewhere, put them on your phone. Listen in during recess duty or lunchtime. What do they like to do? What kind of cake did they have for their birthday? How many brothers and sisters do they have? What is their favorite movie? Um, We all came to be teachers for the students, for our kids. You've probably noticed teachers are quite territorial, even with our toughest kids, and sometimes they are the ones we seem to love the most. It matters more that people are cared for, not that they know long division. I can't imagine that a principal could argue with you for taking academic time to be sure that a child knows that they are seen and they are valued. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and share. See you next time.